0: listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit www.oasiswaterloo.org. So how come the church has got to be known for homophobia, sexism, racism, and you can add endless others, can't you? Why does Christianity inspire so much hatred? Why does Niall end up in a place where he has to take painkillers drugs to drown out the view of gods that he's got in order to find some as he says false hope but at least it was a false hope where there was no hope because the Christian story that he was told in a Protestant church why is it that, as Nathan unveiled again those stats to um, us, so many people who are gay or trans, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, feel that they're unacceptable. Why is it? I was telling Nathan earlier this week. I um, I was in Cardiff. Um, at this, Uh, Some while ago, I was in Cardiff, and I sat talking to a mum, a young mum, who introduced me to a little boy who was a bundle of a little baby, a bundle of fun, about nine, ten months old. And as I talked to her, um, she was telling me about the problems that she faced as a as a young mum. And I suggested that she. We were in a coffee shop, and I suggested that she went to the big church that was across the road. That I actually knew it was a Baptist church. I actually knew. And she said to me very quietly, have they got a side door? Well, it was years and years ago that I went into that building. I went to preach there. I didn't know whether they had a side door or not. So I said, I don't know if they've got a side door, but they've got a big front door. Look at it. We could see it from the coffee shop. And she said, I couldn't go through the front door. I'm not the kind of person who could enter a church through the front door how is it that we've got it so wrong how is it that our nation the world believes something so different to what we just heard from that uh, paul paul's message to those first followers of jesus in rome i think it's to do with simplicity it's to do with a juvenile and immature approach to reading the Bible. I think it's to do with other things as well. People will often say, somebody wrote to me this week rather angrily and said, Why don't you do what the Bible teaches? The Bible's a collection of texts written at least over 1,500 years, its earliest. Books were written in the Middle Bronze Age as I'm sure that you've heard me say before. Why don't we believe in biblical marriage? Well what kind of marriage? Because there's half a dozen different types on display as the hundreds, the centuries roll by and the millennia rolls by. Do we want some of those Old Testament <coughs> views of marriage? Do we really believe in those? Most of them, by the way, are illegal in our society. But but they are put forward by different elements of the Old Testament as the view of marriage develops. Do we even want the kind of marriage that the New Testament talks about? For my part, no, because women were still owned. They had no voting rights. They had no rights. They were things. They they were owned. A man could have several wives. A wife was a possession. So we're moving on, always compelled by the love that Jesus demonstrated. We're pushing forward. Why did the church get it so wrong over divorce? Perhaps i told you the story before, but I remember in the first, the first church I worked for, which is down in Kent, after I uh, became a Baptist minister, I remember sitting, uh, talking to a woman in the church there who was part of the church. You know, she's really well-known in the church. And she said to me, I was a lot younger than her. I mean, uh, you know, I was 25 uh, when I went to work there, I think. 25, and she was, well, she was a lot older. She was an old lady. She was 35, you know, kind of like that. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> you know, they just... Or looked a lot older. And, um, and she sat talking to me. And she said, I have to tell you something that I can't tell any leader in this church. I pray every day that my husband will commit adultery. Is that a good prayer? And I was taken back and I said, Why do you pray every day that your husband will commit adultery? And she said, Well, it's simple. The Bible teaches that the only reason you can have a divorce is through because of adultery. My husband is a monster. My husband bullies me, hates me. My life is agony. Again, I won't go into the details, but her life was torture. But he's never committed adultery, so I can't get divorced. But if he commits adultery, I'll be able to get divorced without this church excluding me. So I pray that my husband will commit adultery. A juvenile reading of the Bible always locks people up. Bad juvenile, shallow theology costs lives, costs happiness, costs joy. It's our job to read the Bible better, read the Bible deeper than all of that. The second thing, I think, is simply this. If in the end you believe in a God of the ultimate exclusion, God really loves you and He's got a wonderful plan for your life, say this prayer, the prayer, say this prayer, the prayer of salvation. But if you don't, God will then turn on you and give you, grant you your own way and you will be confined to hell forever or to annihilation or whatever it is. If we believe that God is the God of the ultimate exclusion, then if we do our little exclusions as his agents, as the agents of God, we kind of feel we're acting in line with the big story. God is not the ultimate excluder. Paul, who's often held up as somebody who did believe in exclusion. By the way, a little insight. I, we put some of my books o- over there. Okay. The Lost Message of Paul. Uh, there you go. And my friend, this is a, this was so kind. My lifelong friend, Tony Campolo, uh, wrote to me this. week. It was so kind of him. He's a humble man. And he told me that it was the most enlightening book he'd ever read. In his life, that was so kind of, and that's not about my book. It's about his humility. Um, you should read this book because I can't tell you if, if we preached sermons that were that 20 minutes long for the next two years. Honestly, we couldn't get this theology across to you because because it's we've so systematically misunderstood the Bible. We've so systematically misunderstood the Bible. Do you know Paul? never ever mentions the word hell once doesn't seem to know it the word hell never appears in the teaching of Paul once and yet our gospel has come to be turn or burn live this way or God will condemn you but read the words of Paul I'm sorry the screen's gone wonky but you can still see them I am convinced, said Paul, who's a follower of Jesus. He's six years to ten years younger than Jesus. And Paul, this follower of Jesus, whose life has been turned around by grace himself, says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, all of us. As in Adam all die, so in Christ everyone lives. I am convinced that no one can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I put it to you that any doctrine, any dogma, any practice, any principles, any behaviour in any church, any poster on the wall, any tract, any sermon that gives anyone ever the impression that they are unworthy or unfit or that God somehow has chosen to withhold his overwhelming, inexhaustible love and grace from them, either now or at any point in the future is a gross and serious and juvenile and immature and simplistic understanding or misunderstanding of what the Bible has to say. Every church community, this church community, stands simply as this. It stands as a symbol here in London, our community, a symbol That God's love is inexhaustible. That God's love is overwhelming. That God's love never, ever, ever ends. A symbol of God's grace. And our task is simply this. That because we're in and because we're included. Now because you're included. Because you're included. Our task is slowly to do our best to live in line with what's already true of us. And we all fail and we all screw up and we all get it wrong. But we have this enormous privilege of beginning now to live in line with what is true for every one of us, that we are loved by God. Yet there is a question. Why has Christianity inspired so much hatred? Why has it done that? And I, and perhaps more so Niall, has touched on some of the reasons. But there's another counter story. Why does Christianity inspire so much good? The history of our small church The tower on the corner, our history, its history, because we stand in line with all the others that have been part of this church over the generations before, and we are the foundation for the generations that will come. That tower is there because this church fought for the abolition of slavery. In this country, with William Wilberforce, some of his meetings were held in our church. And then we helped with the campaign in America. And that's why that spire has got stars and stripes on the top and is called the Lincoln Tower, because of the bonds that we had. Did you know that this church founded? Um, There were one or two schools for the poor. Of course only the rich went to uh, school in the 1700s but in the last decade of the 1700s here through the work of the church the ragged school movement was founded. And uh, we established, I think Rose up there um, is the world expert on all of this because she's researched the history of our church. But I think it was in 1793 that we opened our first ragged school. And that by the, uh, uh, the, uh, by the 1830s, we were running 19 schools, ragged schools, Sunday schools. Sunday schools were run because kids had to work all the other six days of the week. That's where Sunday schools get their name. Uh, they were schools teaching numeracy and literacy on Sunday, evening schools and day schools for the younger kid. We, uh, the, the, the ragged school that was based here, in that end of the building, um, actually, which is now rebuilt as a coffee shop, in its first 100 years of operation, um, I think it's true to say that 100,000, hundred thousand twenty-five. how many? Oh, uh, Sorry? 20,000 kids went through that school in its first 100 years of operation before the government then shut them all down because it took over. The government has a key role to play, but the church has a bigger role to play in announcing to the world that love really does win. God bless you. You've been listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit www.oasiswaterloo.org.